This is a Founding Media Podcast, produced at Austin Community College District. Welcome back to Science of the Mall, y'all. I'm Dan Dillard, co-hosting with ACC Bioscience Incubators Director Nancy Lyon. We heard a little bit about the cool stuff happening at Mike's work with the Acta Machine. And the conversation continues so that Mike and Amanda can tell us more about what they're doing since leaving ABI. Mike works at XBiotech, an Austin-based company that manufactures antibody therapies. Amanda just moved to Florida to pursue an opportunity at National Resilience, where she works in quality control and assurance. And don't worry, I don't know what any of that means either. We get into the exciting things they're doing since their internships at ABI, we get some advice for aspiring scientists and learn about why your personality is important when considering a career path. Let's get back into it. Now, I think what most people in the audience will probably start to think about is what you're doing now, your current jobs, because that's pretty important. So uh, why don't you guys just, Mike, maybe we'll start with you, talk about what you're doing now, who you're with and, and, and all of that. Sure. Um, I am working for a company here in Austin called uh, X Biotech Incorporated. They are a they're a pharmaceutical company, more or less. They have um, something called True Human Antibody Therapy, where they'll they'll go out and find someone who has an existing resistance to to something, some some sort of malady or something, and they'll take that resistance and isolate it and find a way to grow it and turn it into medicine essentially. Uh, and because it's coming from a person initially and not like from a lab or from a pig or from something else, uh, it's, it has an extremely low rejection rate. Uh, it's already built for people. So it, it works really well. Um, and so we're, we're basically antibody therapies and I am a manufacturing associate. So I take a, a giant vat of the uh, beef stew, so to speak, uh, from earlier, and I, I filter it through a whole lot of different um, filters and, and things, and uh, make it uh, make it very pure and very concentrated, and it ends up in a you know in a little syringe at the end of the day, and it's and it's a drug. Do they have to reverse engineer the sequence in order to duplicate it, or is there a way to actually amplify the antibody itself? Uh, that is not my part of the job. So I really love his no pigry. <laughs> but give him a year or two and he'll be explaining this to us. I, I tell people uh, that I'm a fancy plumber. <laughs> hey, Mike, I have a question uh, for so, you. Sure. So absolutely. are there any products that are public? Are there any products that um, um, you're allowed to share? There is, uh, we just did a press release recently about our newest one and it is not publicly available yet, but, um, there is one that is available in Europe right now. And, uh, Janssen, the uh, pharmaceutical branch of Johnson and Johnson, uh, licensed it from us and they're selling it in Europe. It's called, uh, Bermecumab. What is it for? It is, uh, an anti-inflammatory for, um, atopic dermatitis. So it's essentially really bad eczema. Like people can't live normal lives cause they have such bad skin condition. And, um, this, this drug they get like, uh, I think it's like a monthly or bi-monthly injection and apparently it works really well. So relief, Amanda, I, you've got 
two, or you, I want to talk about two roles, one at, at Fuji Film Diosynth and then what you're doing now. So would you start with that, uh, Fuji Film Diosynth and what you did there? At Fuji Film Diosynth, I started off as a quality control chemist. And um, in that department is where we take all of the samples that Mike would, um, figuratively speaking, would send us from each one of his filtering steps so we can tell him whether or not he did a good job. And um, <laughs> so we would do different types of tests on those samples. My next, after I did quality control, I went to the virology and analytical development lab, um, our department. And in that, we developed the assays that were used to test the samples. And so we were able to um, run certain samples and decide you know, is this a good enough assay? Is it robust enough? Is it going to tell us the results that we need to know? Is it accurate? Um, and then after working in the development area, I went to quality assurance where it was more of a, an audit type review position where we would read all of the documents that came from or went to quality control and ensured that they followed regulations, that they followed, um, you know, good manufacturing and good documentation practices and such. So when I that when I would write <laughs> 2021 <laughs> on a document and I accidentally, you know, I meant to write 2022 and I very cleverly changed the one into a two. Mm -mm. No, <laughs> she, catches that. she catches that and it comes back with a, a passive aggressive sticky note. On it. <laughs> this is a write over. Please fix this. <laughs> How do you fix a write over besides writing it over? You line through it. You, 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 you line through it, <laughs> do a footnote, entry error. Yes, and it has to be one line. So Mike has experience getting some of those back. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> you do so much paperwork on a daily basis. There's always going to be something, and you're always going to try and just like, yes. just, I'm sure it'll be fine. Maybe QA will send it back. So of, of those three, it sounds like you described them as if they're steps up, and yet at every level it sounded like a, a shittier job <laughs> it does like it does take you away from the lab and I do miss it sometimes you know like being in the lab and performing the experiments and assays it was fun and I would say it was the most enjoyable part of the careers but I do get different it, it satisfies me in a different way one it, I do like things to be right and so it satisfies that need in me to be able to look at something and say whether or not it's it's good, it passes, it follows the rules, since I am a rule follower. Um, so it does meet who I am. It is not for everyone. If you don't like to have rules, if you do not like to be told what to do, do not work in quality <laughs> assurance or quality control, really. The development part of it would be more for like, you know, Nancy or, or those who like to just just do things and, and be able to, you know, mess up and um, learn and experiment and kind of choose your own path. You definitely do not choose your own path in quality. Call that R&D. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm learning from this is it requires all time. In, in, in the science industry, you've got to both be the trailblazer learning how to push things forward. But also once you've got that down, you've got to have controls and you've got to have quality assurance. You've got to, before it goes, any medicine or anything goes to the public, it's got to pass a lot of scrutiny. 
Yes, it is. It is a group effort. And even if there's a little bit of uh, sibling rivalry between, <laughs> you know, manufacturing and QA, it is definitely a love hate relationship because, you know, the like the 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 drug I was talking about for Mechamab, that is going to be, you know, injected directly into an individual. And that that person is probably immunocompromised from their condition. And if there's anything wrong with it, if any of those you know, I's aren't dotted or T's aren't crossed along the way. It could make that person very sick or even, you know, kill them. So it's very important that QA is there, you know, following manufacturing around where, where the cowboys and stuff, but the, you know, the, the, the QA folks have to be, you know, taking care of that. And it's, it's, it's a, it is a, a big group effort. Yeah. Is there a, a quality assurance role of like teaching, you know, correcting people's pronunciation of these crazy drugs that always have funny names <laughs> and you have to learn how to say them right? I don't even think we say them right. But, you know, that's a good point that like, you know, everybody when you're in elementary school, right, you get like, oh, you're science aptitude or whatever, people that like science. And that's like mm-hmm. such a broad thing, right? Mm-hmm. So even just, you know, what you just described, like all the different things at ABI or the different things that the classes teach you, there's still like so many next levels of, okay, where in science <laughs> is my brain? Is the way and, and what you guys just described is perfect. There's like the cowboy that just wants to try stuff, and the people that are like, "Oh no, 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 no. you got to do it right." <laughs> and personality types, brain wiring, you know, clumsiness, neuro, like you know, you know, Marsha, you know, nurturing wants to like mm-hmm. baby, but like yes. those are all totally valid personality types that lead to totally valid different uh, jobs within science. Within the same industry, yeah. Every uh, every wave bioreactor that we have, anytime we're growing a batch of drug in it, Marsha will write a name for that batch of drug on like the big sheet that covers over it to keep light off of it. Like they all have names. They're like th- she named them like after the Beatles, <laughs> things like that. Yeah, there is all. <laughs> she wants to name every cell in there, and there's like a million per milliliter of cells in there, and so that's a hundred liter wave reactor. 500. <laughs> 500. Yeah. So I can imagine that they may have, the quality people might have reeled her in a bit. Yeah. It's, it's probably, she does. She's on the, uh, in the upstream side and we work together at, at ABI as well. She is a delightful person. So that's actually just, just real quickly, since you use that term, can you define that? Uh, upstream. Yes. Uh, so upstream is taking a tiny little frozen vial of that bacteria that is growing that superhuman quality uh, and defrosting it and putting it into a little flask or something and growing it and nurturing it and feeding it all the things it likes, keeping it warm, doing everything to, to make it propagate and then putting it into a bigger vessel and into a bigger vessel until you finally have, you know, 500 liters of beef stew, uh, at which point the, the upstream is done and then it gets passed on to downstream, which is my side. And that's basically instead of growing it up, we're filtering it down. We're, we're selectively getting rid of stuff that we don't want until we're just left with some negatively charged peas. So Mike. <laughs> that is such a cool illustration for so sure. So do you Perfect. only use bacteria at expect biotech or do you also use cells? Uh, we use Cho cells and um, what is the media? Lonza media and Cho yeah. cells. So gel cells are uh, hamster ovary cells, yep. and that's Chinese a really hamster. typical uh, hamster 
mammalian cell for um, for making these kind of things because it actually they secrete the the protein. Like a lot of them, you have like in bacteria. When I was described before, you actually it's inside the cell, and you have to like break open the cell and get rid of all the other crud. And Cho cells that he's referring to, they actually just ex- they just uh, excrete all of the stuff, and so you can get it out of the media and not have to mess with the cells. And it smells so good. <laughs> Why don't I believe him? It does not. <laughs> Worse than bacteria? Mm, Probably not, but it's still it's 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 a ripe process. Nancy, whenever you're saying that Marsha has this motherly instinct to grow things, it, it makes sense uh, that now that Mike uh, described upstream as being this growing process where things are building and then he becomes the filter and downstream. So that was, that was. Really- and I destroy. <laughs> exactly. And to know them is to know that this is perfect. Yeah. 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 That was, that was really cool. Mike and his sledgehammer. Did you. Describe what you're doing over it in the Unirol in Florida. So I am in Florida now at National Resilience, and um, I'm called a QC reviewer, and it's essentially the same thing as the quality assurance position at Fujifilm Diocent, where I do review um, data that comes from outsourced testing, which means we may send the samples off to other companies to do testing, and they come back, so I have to make sure that they're giving us good information. Um, I review. You know, how does QC uh, clean or manage their equipment? They may have like documents that say how they've done that. I have to make sure everything just, you know, is the way that we say that we're doing things because the FDA can come in and ask for any of these documents. And if that happens, we don't want to have to explain ourselves. We want them to look at it and say, oh, that's good. And then put it to the side. Um, So that's my job. The headquarters is in California. It's actually very new. I think they established the company a year or less than two years ago. The board is made up of some uh, people from Harvard, previous FDA agents. Um, I think there's some government officials that are on the board, some senators and previous governors. And so some really high-end board of directors and and some co-founders came together and created this National Resilience Uh, They acquired the building that I am in now was Ology Bioservices, and we're a contract facility. And so both both the Fujifilm Diocent and National Resilience um, that I've worked at, they're contract facilities, meaning companies that have a product that they want made can come to us, and we manufacture that for them, and we can do the testing for them. Um, And so we can do beginning-to-end products for them, help them develop it, manufacture it, and then get them into their filings with the FDA and get it approved. There's various pieces to this, the the developing of medication or anything um, in the in that space. One is your creators, the people that that are out there forging, figuring out this is the the, the actual medicine. But once you get to the once you've developed that piece, it's not those same people that go out and mask produce this stuff. They they then take that formula and take it to a company like yours and then say here's the ingredients go out and mass produce this is this correct yeah before it goes to market is that so if a company is at a small scale and they're ready to get into clinical trials where they're not necessarily ready to get it to the public at thousands and thousands and thousands of vials maybe they only need a hundred vials um and they're just not ready to invest in making their own manufacturing facility they can come to us and sign up for however many they need for their phase one, phase two, and phase three clinical trials. 
and we'll we'll produce the product for them to then use for those clinical trials. Um, I know that there are equipment. It's called a VanRx, and it can mass produce in it, vials that can be um, used for injections, and that can be used for commercial use. I know it's a new piece of equipment out there, um, and some of them are being used for like COVID. Um, clients because they're ready to use a lot of vials. And so um, it can be used for any phase, but most of them are clinical trials. Yeah, that's extremely common within the industry to contract parts of the development or parts of the manufacturing out. Um, X-Biotech does almost 100% of things in-house, and that's much more uncommon. Mm, I see. But isn't that why Johnson & Johnson contracted you guys to do it? Right. So we, we, we essentially, we made it, we produced it, we packaged it and, and everything. And, and Johnson and Johnson came by and said, Oh, we'd like to sell that under our name basically. And so we just licensed label the it. drug. Yeah. <laughs> and also depending on the, depending on the company, you might wear, you know, multiple hats at your job. You might do manufacturing and QA or manufacturing and QC. It, it kind of depends. Is that not a conflict of interest? Based <laughs> on I would like say so, probably. <laughs> it's, it's where Mike says, uh, here's a two. Yeah. yeah, that looks like a two to this me. Is, this <laughs> is the best looking two I have ever seen. And I don't fight anyone. Looks right to me. <laughs> you know, you know, Mike, earlier you said, I am the destroyer. And I'm thinking, you know, a man. <laughs> <laughs> I will true. destroy your pride. <laughs> I will destroy things with QA's permission. <laughs> uh, very, very cool. So is there, um, I, going on to destroy, and maybe you can show this, maybe not, Amanda, is there like a destruction that you've done to say, nope, you got to send this back? Is there an antidote of somebody doctoring things that you've been able to say, uh-uh, you got to send, uh, that goes all the way right. back. Right, so. Is there something you can share um, We always fall back on our documentation. It's the only thing that we can really uh, use as our shield per se. So, um, if anything doesn't follow our procedures, then we do send it back. And, um, sometimes you get to that front line and they're like, Oh yeah, you're right. You know, I'll fix it. And sometimes you have to, you know, kind of seek out some management and some, someone to back you up. Um, but it all boils down to like, what does our procedure say? And if it doesn't clarify, I think that's where we kind of get in that, that messy field of, you know, going back and forth. Well, the procedure doesn't necessarily say yes or no. Mm-hmm. And so then it's mm-hmm. almost like going to the Supreme Court. Like, okay, <laughs> we're going to have to get too many people involved in this. <laughs> Am I right that your procedure is, is dictated by the regulatory bodies? Right. So obviously we have to make sure all of our procedures meet the guidelines and regulations that are out there. Um, but they do leave some, amb- you know, some gray space. <laughs> So they may not tell you exactly how to do something. They just may tell you at the end it needs to be a certain way. And so you have to decide as a company what's the best way to get there. Yeah. I imagine, though, it's it's not fun when someone's been working on something a certain way and they're taking some shortcuts and you're like, uh, I caught this, send it all the way back. And because it's somebody else's work mm-hmm. that they've put into it. But obviously, it's your job to like. I have definitely come across some some situations where um, different people have been upset or 
You know, they've had to rework some things. Uh, an analyst can perform an assay for two to three days for one sample because of the way that assay works. And if I get it and I say, um, you don't have proof of how you did this, they have to cancel the whole thing and start over. And wow, that nice. definitely makes nobody happy because it delays the results, uh, you know, for the, the product being dispositioned, meaning the, the clients can get mm -hmm. their product. And so everything that has to be returned, it doesn't benefit anybody. Um, so we want them to do their best. And, and that's why we do put a little bit of pressure on everyone, because if you get it done right the first time, it just makes everybody from from them not having to repeat their essay to the clients being able to get their products faster. Well, I think what's difficult about that is we're all wired to be as if, well, I shouldn't say we're all wired, but I, I would think a lot of us are wired to be as efficient as possible. Nobody likes to take the slow road. Nobody likes to, everybody wants to get things done, get it quick, get, and get the final answer. And I think our society is kind of built that way. Absolutely. So when, and, and back to, you know, when you're saying show your work, it reminds me of back in school when it was like, <laughs> show your math problems, show all the work. You can't just give me the answer. Even though you did all the answer work in your head, you knew mm -hmm. it was right. You had to show the work. And so, um, it, but it's an important piece because you've got to have some documentation to fall back on. Yeah, sure. and that even affects uh, manufacturing. And I don't know if Mike has have any experience in this, but if they can't prove, you know, what they've done in manufacturing, the entire product could potentially be thrown away and never be able to be Absolutely. used for, for clients. And so um, it's extremely important for all of the groups. Right. Is there an Amanda at, at, at uh, uh, Biotech? There's like -Biotech. four or five Amandas, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Picture it, y'all. <laughs> oh, man. Next, and, next time we see Mike, he's going to have all hair. <laughs> there's, there's more gray in here than you can see on this webcam. But you know what's interesting is all of these. Look, talk, I want to hear about your, your Amanda first. Oh no! I mean, we have we have a whole QA uh, department, and there's there's lots of uh, very lovely people who work there and who do really good jobs. And we actually, you know, the the best thing about QA is when you when you come up, you know, at the at the end of the day, and you have like a problem on your documentation. There's something that doesn't match up, that doesn't make sense, and you're like, oh, we had to do something a little differently this time. I don't know how to document this. We're like. Take it to QA. Go to QA. They will. They will. They'll tell you how to fix this problem. They'll tell you how to how to get it right on the page. Make you open up and, a deviation. You know, sometimes you exactly. Yeah, you don't want a deviation if you can. But um, and you know, you occasionally buy them a Starbucks gift card or something when you, when you bring them a really big <laughs> problem that causes a lot of issues. But, QA does drink a lot of coffee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Nice. How do you think your personalities fit into the roles you ended up with? Oh man, um, I I work with a lot of people who who worry a lot about the way something is going to come out while they're still like working on it. And I am kind of a balancing aspect to that because I let the the cards fall and then figure it out afterwards. I'm, I'm like, it'll be fine until it's not. Uh, and I think that's kind of a good other side of the coin to have on a team with, with folks that are, you know, anxious about, about what's going on. Cause they keep me from being too, you know, uh, 
lax about it and and i keep them from dying at 30 (laughs) (laughs) i think for me it there's almost two aspects of my personality that really plays a key role in in my career path and you know one of them i spoke of earlier is just being a rule follower and so reading you know regulations and and different agencies roles um, I'll, I'll go and search for them. So, you know, when I'm just learning something, I'll see, you know, it says, well, you must do this. And I'm like, well, why? And so I'll go read the regulation. Oh, okay. Well, that's why. And the other part is because I do like to investigate and I do like to find the reason why. And so, um, I know I play, I, uh, shadowed some FDA agents, uh, during a few audits, audits and, um, it was the coolest thing ever because I got to see how they asked questions and how they dug for information. And then I got to apply that to my own. And so, you know, when I see something, I get to ask a question about it. That's my job. And I love that. I love the sentence shadowed FDA agents. <laughs> and then she says the coolest thing ever. And I'm like, not on my list. <laughs> no, no one else thinks it's yeah. cool. <laughs> You just nailed her personality type, Dan. <laughs> That's hilarious. What was what would be your advice to any student at ACC or elsewhere who's interested in a career in science? Oh man, um, try a little bit of everything and find what you what what calls to you. There's so many. Like I know it's kind of been a theme. There's so many different things that fall under the umbrella of science. There's so many different hats you can wear. There's so many different roles you can fulfill. And, you know, if you, if you find out you like banging on things with a hammer or whatever, there's, there's a facilities job for you there, or you could be, you know, uh, a fancy plumber like me, or if you're, (laughs) you know, the type who, you know, needs to make sure that that two is in fact a two and not a one, then, you know, there's a job for you there. Just, just try a little bit of everything. Don't, don't get pigeonholed into one thing and think that's the only option for you. Yeah, I second that. I mean, I really think that there's a position for pretty much anyone. And if you find yourself unhappy in what you're doing, then it's it's probably because you're not in the position that's meant for who you are. Um, and the other part is to just take your time. You know, it can be very overwhelming with a lot of information that you have to learn and know and mistakes are going to happen. And, and that's OK. The companies are built in a way that we that. can remedy mistakes. And so, you know, just take your time and enjoy it. Thanks so much, Amanda and Mike, for joining Science in the Mall, y'all. It was inspiring to hear your unique paths to your current roles and to learn more about how your experiences at ACC and ABI and your personalities funneled you into the perfect bioscience career path. They say it takes all types, and that certainly seems to be the case in bioscience companies, too. If you learned something new from this episode, share it with a friend. And make sure you tune in to our next episode, where we learn more about amazing bioscience previous ABI interns are doing at Austin. See you then. This is a Founding Media Podcast, produced in partnership with Austin Community College's Bioscience Incubator, which is the region's only wet lab space for Austin's growing bioscience industry.